From American Salon Magazine and .com, I'm Gordon Miller, and this is American Salon Stories, our weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. So we're going to start today's American Salon Stories podcast with a, a little behind-the-scenes insight. I'm actually in a hotel room in Denver, Colorado, and I have our guest by way of Skype. It is 7 o'clock in the morning LA time, where we have return guest, one of my besties, one of my favorite people on the planet, Nina Kovner. We both got our coffee. Nina, are you there? I am, Gordon. Good morning. Good. Thank you for inviting me back. That's <laughs> such an early hour for both of us. <laughs> so, but you know, thank God we do have our coffee. We can see each other. Of course, the audience can only hear us. But uh, cheers to you. Yes, um, I have my. You have the same amount of hours in a day as Beyonce cup this morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's start with with a little introduction for those who may not know you. Um, and so, let me do a little bio here. And here we go. After 20-some years of helping to build one of the most recognized professional hair care brands in the world, Nina Kovner walked away from a career at the top of corporate beauty to help small business owners and artists discover and live their purpose with passion and empower their careers and businesses. As chief awesomeness empowerer at Passion Square, Nina wakes up every day saying to herself, how am I going to help people create awesome today? My dear friend and return guest, Nina Kovner, is one of the smartest people I know. She's a thought leader and role model in social and digital media and an American Salon favorite. Welcome back to the American Salon Stories podcast, my good buddy, Nina Kovner. Thank you, Gordon. And thank you to everyone that is listening. You know, it's so crazy that I remember when we recorded the quote unquote test podcast and um, oh my gosh, I mean, look at what's happened. You've done such an incredible job and I get so much feedback from people listening to all the stories with all the awesome humans that you've had on uh, this podcast since it started. And um, it's just an honor. Thank you. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And um, that test became our very first American Salon Stories podcast. And thank you for that. And I'm so excited to have you back as a return guest. So let's get started um, with you telling us about Passion Squared. What and why is it? And and what does a day in the life of Nina look like? Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, at Passion Squared, we're in the empowerment business. So we empower the people that we love in the beauty and wellness space to make good decisions, to live a more purpose-filled, awesome life and run and lead and work in a more awesome, purpose-filled business. Uh, Our emphasis is on marketing, of course, as that is my background, online and off, uh, social and digital strategy, stuff like that, infused with a ton of personal development, as uh, I am a firm believer in if your insides are not right, your outsides probably won't be either. So lots of personal development inside Passion Squared. Uh, A day in the life of me, (laughs) it just doesn't sound very interesting. There is no typical day, quite frankly, but uh, I I, I start my day with an Americano because I don't know any other way to start the day. (laughs) I'm with you. Um, And uh, pre-Americano, I do my gratitude list. I I pray. I, I think that may be shocking and surprising to some people because I am not a religious person, but I very much believe in the power of intention. I believe in the power of manifestation and I believe in the power of prayer and gratitude. So uh, that's always at the top of my list in the morning. Of course, I'm always spooning Courage Jude and Faith Marie, my two uh, children, my third children. And uh, and then, you know, probably like many of you guys listening, you probably jump into Instagram or email or whatever. So um, I'd love to add to that list going to the gym, which is literally three floors below me. And for some reason, that doesn't always fit into the morning. So the rest of the day, I'm just helping people. I could be prepping a talk. I could be building a workshop, could be building a program. Like I just launched a new program this week, Social Beauty Intelligence. Uh, I'm engaging with my A-School members and um, creating, 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 building relationships, creating, building relationships and creating. And then on a personal side, lots of time with family. 
Well, one of the things that you do better than just about anybody I know is is give great advice. And so it's one of my favorite questions, and I'm going to turn it a little bit in the opposite direction for you. But but share with the audience the best advice you've ever gotten professionally, but as it relates to social and digital media and, and why it might be of interest, helpful to our audience. The best advice I've received, I ever received around social and digital came from someone that many of you may know, and that's Gary Vaynerchuk. I, um, I, I stumbled upon Gary in around 2010, and that was when the Thank You Economy came out. That was uh, one of his early books. And, uh, you know, what I learned is that social and digital is merely about uh, connecting and caring and um, relationships. And it's no different than any other time in our lives. And when we think about business and how we used to build business, how I build, built my business behind the chair in 1988 was around connections and relationships and caring. And so, you know, that really clicked for me. And it's something that resonates with me and, and it fit with my values and my belief systems as, as a person that kind of shies away from manipulative marketing and, um, that would be the best advice. And, you know, one of the quotes that I've shared often from him is best marketing strategy ever is to simply care. And uh, yeah, I care a lot. So at Gary V, V-E-E. Yeah. We, we encourage, I know we, we both are huge fans of Gary's and uh, that book I think is now kind of a business classic. I, I encourage everybody um, to take a look at it, to, to read it, to listen to it. I'm a huge Audible fan. Um, anybody who, who doesn't have time to read, you know, put in your earbuds and uh, anything by Gary V I think is, is a great read and or listen. Especially if you've just stumbled upon him in the last couple of years, because mm-hmm. obviously he pivoted quite a bit. Yes. And, and, and the thing that, that I think is important in, in order to gain some context into the bigger, uh, the bigger purpose of social and digital is to go back to his early work and, and, and definitely grab the thank you economy, most definitely. So we have a very deep and shared passion for everything social and digital. Um, we go way back. You, in fact, I, I've said this often, you're the person who kind of pushed me into it um, back in the day when I was executive director at the National Cosmetology Association and you were with Paul Mitchell and over breakfast in LA one day, you started talking about Facebook and and, and you literally pushed me because I was, all I could think of was Farmville and Scrabble. And, you know, <laughs> I thought, I thought social media was a very personal um, experience and, and didn't quite yet make the connection to professional, which actually very few people had at that point in time. And, and you pushed me in and I, and I loved every bit of being in it uh, from the get go. And, and, and now feel like we're both in the deep end of the pool together. Um, and uh, so there's so much we can talk about, but, but I kind of want to start big picture. I think, you know, you and I love context and I think this offers some, um, but you have this great line that you use in, in almost every workshop or class or, or a program I've seen you um, present. And that is the line, your content is your marketing. And I, I just think it offers kind of an umbrella context. So talk about that and talk about what you mean by that. That's a, that, that's a really good question. Before I answer that, did you know there's a Farmville in Virginia? I've been there. <laughs> there's an actual Farmville in Southern Virginia. So if you're in Southern Virginia, go to Farmville. Can you can you get points? Like if you roam down? The- I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's not. A, I mean, in the big scheme of things, it's a larger town in an area of small towns. But there's a great bagel shop there. There's a grocery store there, which is like the closest grocery store to my family's house in Phoenix, Virginia. So anyways, trivia for those of you traveling. Your content is your marketing. So I know we, we've talked about this and it's funny. I, I, I don't take credit for a lot, but I feel like I need to take credit for that unless I do some research and find that I picked it up somewhere along the way. But I, I, what it means to me and what inspired that in the early days is actually before Passion Squared, but obviously it became more uh, relevant with the launch of Passion Squared is that I was trying to put some framework around if we understand traditional marketing, what does it mean in terms of social and digital? I think that's been the most difficult leap uh, for for many people that are of 
my age, my, my age group, you know, my generation, I'm going to be 51 in a couple months. And, you know, in the early days of social people are like, it's a kid's game and it's, it's kids. And it's, this is that, which we know now is most definitely not, not the truth, but I was trying to figure out how to frame the importance of how we show up every day online representing our business and your content is your marketing really speaks to every everything we do in the online space it could be the language that we choose to use it could be um, you know the the brand identity and graphic treatment that we choose to use it could be the way we frame our pictures it could be uh, which platforms we choose to, to uh, show up and engage on. It could be how we craft newsletters or whether we choose to do a blog or whatever, because at the end of the day, marketing is about the stories we tell, right? And 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 so the online space is simply just a bunch of places to share stories, thus content, right? So what I, what, what I find is still to this day in 2017, one of the greatest challenges that that's brought to me on a daily basis is I don't know what to post. I don't know what content to create. And so I back that into, well, your content is your marketing. So, so let's take a step back and look at what's your brand, right? What do you, and that's why obviously brand is such a big part of Passion Squared because it's highly misunderstood, particularly since the social and web, you know, have evolved and it's also changed, you know, um, but, but the bottom line is, is if you understand the brand purpose, you understand what you stand for, what you believe in, who shares those values, that target audience and, and, and your, and your promise, what, what you deliver and how you deliver that experience, then the content's going to flow because passion squared is about empowerment. We're about truth and authenticity. So, so the content whether it's a vlog or a live or a newsletter or a program that I develop or a service that I offer or a product or whatever, it's all centered around those core values and targeted towards that audience of one, that audience of one being that one, that one belief system that you share with that intended audience. It's funny, Seth Godin just this morning, Seth Godin email was about audience of one. It, it's certainly not a new concept, but it, it, it's so important to understand that even though you may be speaking to 100,000 people or a million people or 500 million people, the most effective storytelling, the most effective connector, the most effective marketing is when you have such a clear sense of what matters to that intended audience. And that is an audience of one. And so that circles back to your content is your marketing. So the stories that we tell are going to allow us to connect us to our people because the stories that we tell are going to resonate on an emotional level with those we intend and want to engage with. When they feel an emotional response around the stories that we tell, they could potentially take an action, make a decision to click, book, call, purchase, follow, share, whatever. So um, it, it's simple in concept, but what's not simple is, is if, if we don't really take the time to understand the intention of our business or our brands, who our audience is, what our promises, all of that, then, then yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's kind of like grasping at straws. Like, I don't know, I'll just share some meme, you know, um, but, but there's no intention behind it. And so I work really hard with my clients and my community to help them have more awareness around that intention, intentionality when choosing the stories that they tell and how they choose to tell them and where they tell them and share them, et cetera. Long answer. No, but a great <laughs> answer. And, and I have to add, and, and you know, this is kind of the way I think about social is, is kind of the, the connection back to the real world, to real time. And, you know, everything that you've talked about, again, to me, applies to everything I know about being successful in the salon pre-social and, and, and today. And that is that um, when we talk about content online, I mean, it's, it's the conversations, it's uh, the stuff that we say to our community, to our followers, to those who we, we engage with. In, in real time, you know, everything you talked about, you know, understanding your brand, having intention, 
that applies to standing behind the chair and engaging oh with gosh, a client. Yes. Well, offline. I mean, it's it's your content is your marketing offline as well. Yes. So I'm so glad you brought that up. It could be the paint color you choose, the music that you play, the beverage service you offer, the dialogue, the culture, the the style, the programs you choose to run, the product lines you align with. It all has an impact on 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 brands. So yes, very much so. The paper you choose for your menus, it's it you know the snacks that you serve. It's it's all it's all connected. And so yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Principles, same principles apply, and that's what I try so hard to to help people see is that this really is not different. Obviously, technically. We have to learn how to technically create or technically engage. But conceptually, relationships, the pro beauty biz has always understood and excelled in the art of building relationships. And this is why I love so much doing a live program. You and I have done many together. You've been on American Salon panels. And um, I, I just love it so much when we do these programs and someone from the audience comes up to us afterwards who maybe is our age, you know, who's 50 or in my case, 60 and uh, 61 actually. <laughs> but, but you know, who's kind of new to this or maybe stayed away from it and and they have the light bulb go on when they they hear about this connection between what they already know and how they can apply it to to social and drive further success. Yeah, totally. It's 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 the best feeling in the world, right? I mean, that to me is empowerment, right? That's yep. that's when people go, "I got this. I got this." And and I mean, what better gift is there? I just posted about that on Instagram this morning. It's such a gift to be able to connect with people on that level. And I have not done my Instagram post yet this morning. So I, I thought about that when you first started talking. I was like, oh boy, I've got to, when we hang up, I've got to, I've got to hop on Instagram and, and, and find my find my post for the day. I, I, I'm leaning towards a coffee post because while you were talking, I spilled my coffee. Um, oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> so it's okay. It's my third cup. Um, <laughs> the universe was saying you've had enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so that's, I, I just think that's a great kind of um, level set framework um, from which to, to go to the next place in this conversation. And that is, I want to talk a bit about a big buzzword um, in our world right now, and, and that's influence and influencers. And um, so tell us kind of, how do you define influence um, and, and why does it matter? And then kind of who or what is an influencer? <sighs> well, you know, it's fascinating stuff. And 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 I I have been watching this unfold for, you know, a couple of years now and and seeing it kind of peak, but ultimately, you know, influence is simply uh is something that's been around forever in marketing and advertising, right? Public relations, you could have uh is celebrity endorsement, spokespeople, you know, all that's everything. So it's been around for a really long time. But what's also been around for a really long time is marketers in a traditional sense, building a building a message. I was one of them. So I can speak, speak on this, building a message and pushing it out to a marketplace, building a product, building a program, building a service with this super clean message around it. And, and, and we, the company was saying, look at this. This is awesome. This is the best. You need to buy this. And, you know, obviously that has worked over time, but what's changed is that because of the rise of social and digital, there's this whole new opportunity for storytellers to uh, build influence with their communities. And so these influencers, they're advocates, they're content creators, they're, they're connectors, they're, again, storytellers. And what brands have found is in many cases more effective in in telling the story because we all know again let's take this offline we all know that consumers trust word of mouth right consumers have always trusted word of mouth they've always trusted their friends recommendations or their family recommendations that's nothing new that's nothing new and so all all that's happened is we've kind of taken this online and found these group of people that are super passionate about talking about stuff, you know, because they love the, 
the coffee they got or they love the shampoo or they love the, the blow dryer and let me show, let me do a little step-by-step video and let me show you this and let me show you that. And next thing you know it, these influencers have built these large, highly engaged audiences who trust them um, and, and look to them for recommendations and look to them for um, what the latest and greatest is. And so, you know, it's uh, <laughs> kind of crazy, um, but awesome for both the influencer and the brand, you know, because there's opportunities on both sides to uh, create more value for the larger community. And there's also opportunity for the salon, right? So we we know as an example, let's let's talk about vivid hair colors and, and you know, Pulp Riot is such a great example. But because of uh, kind of the connection, I guess, between the influencer um, and the larger consumer community, if you will, um, and the development of product and, and brands and things being pushed out, there's a new opportunity at the salon level to do new and different kinds of services and, and even to bring new types of people into the salon setting. Well, most definitely. I'm really glad you brought that up because this, this, this doesn't have to do with influencer, but it does have to do with influence. And you know, one of the biggest challenges that that the professional beauty industry has had over time, again, not a new situation, not a new issue, is finding uh, a team, right? Finding qualified staff that fits the culture, brand, whatever. And uh, what, what I've watched change dramatically is I see salons that that don't have enough space for all the people that want to work in them. And then I have salons that still can't figure out where do I find people and um, salons can have influence, you know, salon owners can have influence if they choose to show up and storytell, right. If they choose to show up and add value. And when people are looking for jobs these days, of course they're online because we're all online. They're looking at Yelp reviews. They're looking at your Instagram presence. They're looking at how you engage with the community. And, and so, you know, so much centers around this decision to show up and, and kind of going back to Gary V, you know, best marketing strategy ever care. How do I know you care? You're present. You're present, you're active, you're involved, and you obviously are showing me that you care enough to create a space that means that you're going to help me, you know, market. You're going to help me build a clientele, even if it's not directly, but indirectly, just by being present and sharing stories and content. So it's so interesting to see uh, how this is shifting and um, the, you know, anyone can be an influencer, right? Because we're just talking about influence, right? So you, anyone can be a content creator. Anyone can be a storyteller. Anyone can create a YouTube channel. I, I, I was talking in the, uh, the class I taught last week on, on influencers. I was talking about, you know, people like Jeffree Star and Huda Beauty. Uh, you know, these are just people that were just creating content that were just writing blogs or creating how-to videos on YouTube. And, you know, the, it started long before their product lines and their collabs and their, you know, big famous, uh, you know, positions that they have. And, you know, I know this is probably going to piss some people off, but, you know, some of the original influencers are the Kardashians and people get so angry about that, which fascinates me, by the way. It's like, let them be that, like, let people do whatever they want to do. But uh, it just came out in the news this week that um, Kylie, Kylie's makeup line, her lips, which started with a lip kit, uh, uh, just a basic lip product, uh, did has done $400 million in uh, a year and a half and is on its way to be a billion-dollar company. So say what you will. If you don't like Kylie Jenner, that's fine. But I have mad respect for the business. And... I also have, a, I'm very interested in how it's unfolded. I've watched every step of the way because I'm a really good social listener. It's my job. And so watching this thing unfold and to see what it's grown into just says so much about the power of influence and the power of storytelling. And I don't really know anyone more engaged on social than Kylie Jenner. And she Snapchats all day long. She, she you know, creates content for Instagram and uh, creates content for her app. And, you know, it's, it's just an example of what's possible today. 
and the possibilities are endless. Absolutely. And I, I think it's important to say that when we look at someone like Kylie Jenner, that there's so much to be learned, um, but it's also important to to take those learning and, and put them in the context of your own life and your own career, and most importantly, your own goals. Um, and because I think some people get kind of intimidated, you know, they, they look and they see yes. not, not only the Kylie Jenner's, but the guy Tang's and our, our, yes. our, our friends, Jenny Streeby and, you know, some Heather Chapman and Larissa, who, Larissa, who are, who are yeah. absolutely brilliant. And then at the same time, you mentioned Seth Godin earlier, and I want to, I want to go to a, a shared favorite book. And again, a highly recommended one from Seth and that's tribes. And he speaks of, you know, that any artist can have an audience, a tribe, and it could be 200 people, it could be 500 people. And, and we know that, you know, to be successful in the salon, a 200-person book is, is going to take you far in, in your career. And an audience of several hundred or four or 500 of prospective clients can literally change your life. And it's, it's, it's not only okay, um, but it makes a lot of sense to have that kind of focus. So talk a little bit about that. Most definitely, because all of these examples definitely have those lessons in them. And again, like the example of Kylie Jenner, consistency, showing up on the platform, knowing your audience, creating value for your audience. It could be literally 100 people. It could be 100,000. Uh, as you know, I, I've never been a big fan of focusing on followers. I don't believe in followers because I, I, I believe in tribes. Like, you know, obviously I'm a fan of that book and you know, have read it several times over the, it's been out, I think almost a decade. Uh, but, uh, I, I definitely, uh, have seen over and over and over again, uh, people that have very highly engaged, very targeted, very specific audiences create incredible businesses. Uh, so yes, it's not the quantity. It, it's never been about the quantity. It's about the quality. And Passion Squared is a good example of that. I mean, you could look at my Instagram followers and think, oh, wow, like that's big. But it's not how I run my business. I run my business very small. I run my business very focused and very specific. And I've managed to create a business and, and have significant influence over a very small group um, of the larger group in, in, again, the industries that I work in. So it, it most definitely is about your goals, your objectives, what matters to you. And you can create anything you want to create, no matter what the group is. I think the thing that's important, though, to again, remember, is as you're building community, understanding that one of the core concepts of tribes is there needs to be a shared belief and a way to communicate, you know? And so it kind of goes back to brand. And what I was talking about with like brand purpose and promise and, and really understanding that audience, your people is that, what is that shared belief? You have to identify that. When you identify that, you're absolutely right. The number of people becomes irrelevant because they are so highly engaged with you and will literally purchase and connect and engage with anything you have to offer. And tell their friends. And again, I, I, I want to use you as an example because like, you kind of re referenced it a little bit. I mean, if someone you know casually goes and looks at your, your Instagram page, you've got, I don't know, 40-some thousand followers. And I think sometimes when, when people hear these kind of conversations, they again, they have that kind of, I don't know, visceral reaction of like, oh my God, well, they said that, but yet, oh my gosh, 40,000 followers, I'll never be that. And what I want to say about you and that number, um, which I, I love and find so fascinating, you and I talk regularly for a very long time about social and best practices and how you do this stuff and the things that we're, we're learning. Um, I've never, ever heard you once talk about an effort to grow the following of Passion Squared. I've never heard you talk about a number. I've never heard you talk about a goal. And yet, it has happened organically, authentically. And uh, I think that's just really important to say because your goals, your focus are very different than that. Yeah. Cause you know, I am, I'm glad you brought that up as you know, it, it's something that I don't, I guess I don't talk about. And you just gave me some content ideas. Thanks. I just got a new blog idea. Uh, this is the way content works guys. Again, your content is in marketing. What Gordon just brought up really fits with what I'm talking about. I haven't talked about it lately. But uh, I have always been of the belief and philosophy that business is a long game. 
a long game. And, and I believe in cultivating and nurturing stuff slow. I believe in infrastructure and only building to that point to which you can deliver exceptional customer care. It, I, it, I've been very vocal about my concerns with double booking and triple booking and overbooking because the experience gets tarnished and it sucks and that's not good for business. You may make the extra $100 today, but you're probably going to lose $600 with a shitty Yelp review. Anyways, so that kind of fits into that that bigger belief system that I've always had, which has nothing to do with social. It has everything to do with what's the right thing to do and how do you build relationships. And for me, because I've chosen to stay a very small business, uh, very small business, I, I'm not looking for, you know, making a big company. I already did all that. You know what I mean? Like I, I already did all that. So, so for me, it's about, and I say this often slow, steady and strategic and the, the slow and steady part is how I choose to build community. And the strategic part is what's my intention? What am I really trying to do? And, and, and Simon Sinek says revenue is the result, not the reason of, of whatever. And, and I've, you know, kind of made that my own in, you know, its purpose before profits. And so I always stay focused on how I can deliver value to the people that, um, it, you know, my people, my tribe, my target audience, what's important to them, what's happening in their lives, what's happening in their world. So I put so much energy into that, that I don't choose to use tips and tricks and manipulative practices, uh, build a false sense of ego and importance through through, through followers. Now I'll put an asterisk next to that. With that being said, back to influencer, I understand that particularly in the beginning of this era of influencers, that brands were looking specifically at follower counts. I get that. So people needed to inflate their follower counts to get the deals and to get the collabs and to get the contracts and to get the, get, get on the PR list to get the products. I get all that. I get all that, but brands are getting smarter and looking much deeper into the real metrics, not the vanity metrics, but the real metrics that say, what type of influence does this person actually have? And who are these people? Who, who are these followers? Are they randoms or are they actually aligned with our target audience and uh, who we'd like to engage with? And what is their depth of reach and their uh, their depth of engagement and how do they storytell and how do they create content and all these things that that really kind of go move away from these inflated follower counts into what really matters was this person's voice has influence over an audience that we care about and they're an awesome storyteller a great content creator and we want to align our brand with theirs um so again, another kind of long answer, and I know I kind of moved it back into the influencer thing, but I think it's important to remember that I, I don't want people to think I'm naive in this game. I get it. Uh, I never set out to be an influencer and I'm not an influencer. I don't get paid to post. I don't do anything like that. I support it all the way. It's just not something I did. So I just don't believe in that short-term stuff. I don't believe in short-term marketing. I don't believe in um, I don't believe in fear tactic marketing. I don't believe the internet marketing is like you're broken. And if you take my five step, whatever your life's going to be, safe. I just don't believe in any of that. Or here's a free book. I'm going to save your life and just give me your email address. Just It's just not my style. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It works great. People sell millions of dollars in courses and stuff online every day. It's just not my style. It's never been my style. It doesn't align with my values or beliefs. Therefore, the follower count is not as significant as the has the connection and those ultimate results of the connection, which is, you know, relationships, referral revenue. And if you do a good job, you retain people and then you start all over again. Well, I think one of the things that, that you know, just popped into my head is, as you were talking about that is when we talk about the definition of an influencer per se, because I, I look at you certainly as a, as a, as a person of great influence and, um, and yet you're not an influencer. And, and why are you not an influencer? I, I would say in reaction to what you just said, because it's not in your job description. I think influencers by definition, it's, it's kind of their job. They're either getting paid to do it. 
they're getting stuff to do it. There's, you know, or they're getting themselves ready to get paid or get stuff, you know, with the hope. To me, again, it's like, you know, are you an artist who works in a salon and, and does great hair and people appreciate and value what you do? Or are you a platform artist, a person who stands on a stage and gets paid to do it? Or a maybe a, a budding platform artist who goes in and, and um, works um, for no pay for a brand because you're kind of working your way up the ladder. Um, does that make sense? Oh, most definitely. And, and, and these are the, the, the quote unquote new educators. It's just, it's just, they're doing things on their terms, not the brand's terms. They created a personal brand before the brand showed up to say, let me give you products. Uh, whereas with educators, educators are usually brought into a brand, right? A company and uh, trained and given dialogue and given resources and tools. They're not the same. They're most definitely not the same. They're, 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 they're not the same in many ways. And but interestingly, they, there is a convergence and we see it happening. They yes. are, they are becoming somewhat the same. We now see influencers with very deep relationships with brands and those brands are bringing those influencers on retreats and they're training them to kind of up their game and presentation skills and standing on a stage because now we have influencers who've moved off, not off of, but have added the platform of real time to their social platform. Yeah. It's, it's, I, 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 this is really going to probably be controversial, but I was having this conversation um, recently and, and it's interesting because you're absolutely right. The influencer is converging with the traditional educator and uh, I know that for, for many purists in the industry, that's incredibly off-putting and frustrating because traditionally the influencer does not have the classic training that I had, you know, coming up with extensive education training, extensive presentation skills training, extensive, extensive, extensive years of training. But my, my answer back to, to this person, we were having this conversation was, I understand that they may not be classically trained, but clearly the audience doesn't care. Exactly. Just, <laughs> hey, hey, what Justin Bieber? Let's go back to a you know, let's go back to a great example. A, a kid making YouTube videos, early Justin Bieber, you know, who's blowing up. You know, not a trained singer, not a trained musician who has because of social, because of YouTube, because of Instagram, became Justin Bieber. Right. One of my favorite, one of my favorite movies and people can laugh at me, but uh, never say never. It was such a great documentary because this is again in the early days of social. And, and if you really understand the Justin, again, you can rip on Justin Bieber all you want. I'm not talking about him as a musician. I'm talking about the business lesson we can learn from his coming up, just like a Kylie Jenner situation is that he focused on social. It's kind of like the movie Chef. If you ever saw Chef, it's the same type of one of my favorites, right? It's a great business lesson, a, a great lesson about about social and, and how social can connect a tribe. And um, here we go, right? We launch a business, we launch a music brand, we launch a food truck brand, we 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 get to live our passion and and be happy. So yeah, so so back to this education thing. So so I get it. Like I get I get it. You know, I get it. But the the lesson in this. And what we see happening is that, you know, while we may not be happy what's going on, the, the audience is ultimately the decider, right? The, uh, the audience is the leveler. And uh, the audience, the audience yeah. is all that matters. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but, it, but in a sense, because if no one shows up, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what the level of training is. The other thing I would say you know, to my, you know, maybe older school educa educator friends is that who maybe are challenged by some of this is that. What I know about education over the course of my career is that most of those people that we know who were just so brilliant at what they've done or, or who have come up through the brands, they didn't get that classic training until they got chosen. They were, they were, they were put in a position by a brand often um, with getting a day rate, or maybe they worked in the salon, but, but there were things that happened that they got under the brand umbrella before, before they got access to everything. I, I don't think it's, it's that different. I think, again, an influencer perhaps gets a connection to a brand, then they start getting resources thrown their way. The, the only difference that I see is that the timeline has been absolutely supercharged. They are getting on the big stage faster. And that 
brings its own challenges. You know, um, again, a Justin Bieber, um, who maybe didn't quite have the dance moves down when he first hit the big stage and now has it all, you know, so, but, but I think. And is burned out in his twenties and just canceled his purpose tour. So. Right. <laughs> Cause he wants to have a family yeah. soon. Um, let's, uh, let's, you, there's a couple other things you brought up a bit ago. I want to, I want to go to that. I think will be of interest to our audience. Can I, can I, can I stop you though? Cause you said yes. choose yourself and that's a big Seth Godin. That's a big Seth Godin statement is choosing yourself and the influencers for the first time because of social and digital, it has become such it's given us an opportunity to choose ourselves like never before, because we can all be storytellers. We can all be content creators. We can all all be those things. And so that's huge because I grew up in a world that I waited to be chosen like, you know, your example, yet now the opportunity is to choose yourself and anyone can, with a computer, internet connection can, can become a storyteller and, and, and create significant value for the market they're trying to serve. So it's just flipping awesome. And again, I'll, I'll really quickly connect back to what we grew up with. And I, I think that for those who make those choices themselves, who have aspirations to do great things, especially if they're doing it on their own, the, the lesson from the past is avail yourself to the resources. Go out and take a class on how to be a better speaker. Go out and take a class on on how to do something that you're you're doing better if you don't have access easily, maybe because there's not a company behind you. Um, I want to I want to go back to um, you. You were talking earlier. Um, uh, uh, you brought up the word customer care as it relates to all of this, and and I want to talk about that from a social perspective um, for someone who's in the salon. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about customer care um, for that person behind the chair who has a social presence, who has a social following. And, and how do you use the tools to do a better job with customer care? What should you be thinking about? Oh gosh. So passionate about this stuff. Uh, there's something I call the awesome client journey. And I actually, I have taught this class and I teach my coaching clients this stuff all the time. It's very centered around social and digital. And, you know, it all begins with intent. I want something and then we go search for it and then we discover it, we find it. And then we either take an action or we don't. We book, click, call, subscribe, whatever. And when we think about caring in the social and digital space, one of the most important things is this client journey. The best way to show you care is to be present, to respond, to reply, to uh, make booking easy, to make confirmation easy, to make reminders easy, to make checking in easy, checking out easy, to have some sort of post follow-up system. It could be text or whatever. There's so many ways to show we care. Answer your DMs or answer your emails or, you know, those, those types of things in terms of that experience. And what I find is happening, which is a disturbing trend, but certainly fixable, is, is because of the rise of social and digital and because of the rise of the independent, uh, the independent doesn't have the infrastructure to handle the demand. And so I'm, we've all seen them. The, the person, God bless them, love the people, don't love the behavior, gets on Instagram or Facebook and says, effective immediately, you guys all suck. And, you know, if you don't show up, you're, you're dead to me and blah, blah. And I don't blah. blah. And it's like, whoa, like, oh my gosh, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. When we see things happen, a break in client customer care, whether it's no shows or, um, cancellations or showing up late or not having good communication, that's on us. We're the business people, we're the owner, we're the leader. And so we have to look at our infrastructure. We have to look at our systems and processes and see if they're actually customer friendly. Are they customer friendly? Because they need to be. Now, of course, set healthy boundaries. If someone's a repeat offender, canceler, no shower, that's a whole different story. That's not what I'm talking about. But one thing happens and then everyone goes ballistic around, you know, and goes on this public rant against customers, which if you were my service provider and I saw you bitching out clients socially, uh, publicly on social platforms, I would no longer be a client. So um, it's just not cool. And, and the good news is, is when you have these hiccups in your business, it's a great opportunity to say, uh-oh, something may actually be broken. So I'm not going to blame my clients. I'm going to take a step back and assess the tools, the technology, the systems, the communications. Maybe I'm I'm too 
booked. Maybe I'm overbooked. Maybe I'm not putting aside, you know, the time I need to manage my business effectively, to create the most awesome experience, to care for my clients. There's all those things. And any of my clients that are listening to this podcast will be like, oh yeah, Nina will never shut up about that. But it's, it's so, it's so incredibly true. So while this independent movement has created incredible opportunities for, for people to become small business owners with, you know, very little upfront investment and to, to have the freedom and live their lives and go to Coachella or do whatever. That's all awesome. But where, where the opportunity lies is in using the technology that's available and the tools that are available to build a tight system to create this seamless, beautiful experience for your clients throughout from discovery to post experience. There's there, there, it's just all so important. And so, um, it's possible. The tools are there. You just have to care and take the time to create a system and process that works for you. And that, that also makes me think of, of, um, Something that a, a good friend of ours, Michael Cole, talks about a lot, and and and, and that Hi. has to, yeah. Shout out to Michael. The um, talking about followings and connecting the dots to, to customer care. Really, you know, Michael um, is very passionate um, to his audiences about maximizing the number of your clients who become your followers, mm. and and just the idea that you know speaking ongoing. Um, by way of social to your existing client base is an opportunity to grow your business. And then, of course, by extending that following to prospective local probable possible clientele, that that, that also is another way to just kind of incrementally grow your business. And I, I think he says, if, you, if that's all you do, you're going to move the needle forward. So any, no any, question. any thoughts about that? Uh, yeah, well, Michael's genius and and I love him um, as as many of us do. But Social, uh, one of the most important things about social is two-way communication. It's not one-way communication, right? It's not just just spamming and throwing out like, buy this, buy that, look at my pretty hair, look at me and look at my coffee. It's, it, it's about a two-way conversation. It, understanding that, most definitely, the thing that's so awesome about this particular side of social is that, you know, back in the day, I know we keep going like back in the day, but we can't because <laughs> we're old yes. AF. We're old AF. So. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we were in, we, we had the experience, right? The client came in, we had the experience and it was like, bye, you know what I mean? And then they were gone, you know, they were gone for six weeks, eight weeks, whatever. Now we get to keep that relationship and conversation going in between experiences. And that to me is like the coolest thing in the world. And I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, kind of back to bringing it back to me and, and my approach, that's very much my approach, right? That's very much how I do businesses. I am hyperactive on social platforms with my existing clients. And I mean like super active. And, and the reason that is, is because that's, that's, being, that's showing I care. I care. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. I'm paying attention, which is only going to make me a better coach and you a better, you know, uh, awesomeness creator. So very much so, because when we think about the technical side of social, as we engage with our existing clients, those stories, those interactions and those communications go out to others, right? They go out to the friends, the friends of the client. So again, word of mouth, word of relationships, word of mouth, referrals, revenue. It just kind of goes all back to that. So, um, and another thing, you know, Michael talks about, which, which I love and we share this belief system back to that number of followers. You know, I have clients that have 500 followers and get three clients a week. And, and Michael works with people like that as well. And he's shared some of those examples in his uh, Thursday Facebook lives. And, and you know, th- this is the truth. This is the real, real. And, and, and you know, there could be someone with 100,000 followers that isn't getting any referrals or that isn't selling any product or whatever their, you know, thing is their objective. So again, it goes goes back to that quality, that intentionality, the ensuring that you have the right people in your corner, in your tribe, in your community, and and just serve them, serve them, create value, show up, have conversations, connect, love them, and you know it's all good. And when you say three clients a week, you mean three new clients a week based yeah. on re- referrals. And and the nice thing about being old and having in this industry, having you know a long experience. 
but also as two individuals who are very young in our, the way we think about social and digital. I'll say that, uh, I'll, you know, people Thank can you. think what they want about that, but I'll, I'll say that yeah. about us. Um, but when you, when you connect all that, I, th- I think part of what we bring to the conversation is, is 30, 40 years of observing and learning. And we know that this is not a complicated industry. It's not easy, uh-huh. but it's not complicated. And it uh-huh. goes back to, you know, building referrals, you know, doing the rebooks, making the recommendations, you know, all the classic stuff. And what's so fantastic about today's world is we now have more tools to to do what has always worked so the business the business hasn't changed we just have we just have more efficient more effective tools that we can work with that relate to everything that we've talked about in this podcast you know what i think has changed i i've been i've been thinking about this a lot the last few years what i have have seen change is you know i it was always about volume, <clears throat> more, 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 you know, double book, triple book. It was always about productivity, productivity and blah, blah, and stuff per hour and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm trying so hard not to cuss. So asterisk, that's okay. That's think, okay. I know I'm, I didn't cuss, but I was gonna, I was kind of waiting for, I, I, I know I, I, I want, like, I want at least one. It wouldn't be a neat podcast. Respect, I respect American salon and you, and I know that's not something you guys do. So I'm trying really hard anyways. So it was all about productivity and experience was kind of back burner stuff. And what I, I mean by that is that quality face to face, one-on-one meaningful connection, blah, blah, blah. And, and what I'm seeing is I'm seeing that people are changing the way that they book and, and people that are really uh, valuing these higher, these higher price, longer experiences. Um, and, I'm, and I'm generalizing, obviously, different brands do different things. There's room for express stuff and all that stuff. But, but in general, I'm seeing um, this shift towards quality uh, experience because one of the challenges that has always been around is you know, as a hairdresser, you asked me to do a million things. You asked me to greet the client. You asked me to get my station set up. You asked me to read the history on the client card. You asked me to do an in-depth consultation. You asked me to do a shampoo. You asked me to do a great haircut and a great color. And then you asked me to sell shampoo and you asked me to hand out business cards and you asked me to pre-book and you asked, and it goes on and on. And, And hairdressers inherently by nature are, um, have, you know, some degree of anxiety, um, it, particularly when starting out. And, uh, and so if you give me 45 minutes to do all that, I'm sorry, something's going to slide. And I was taught at a very early age in my career, change the system, change the result, change the system, change the result. And I feel like I'm seeing a shift in changing of systems that are allowing for more quality experiences. And those ultimately are creating those deeper connections, which people give shout outs online. You have time to capture the experience. People, you know, are struggling with content creation. Well, if you don't, you can't just add that to an existing reservation. Like if the system, you know, if it was a 45 minute thing, then all of a sudden you're going to add 15 minutes to capture the experience. Well, then you're always going to run 15 minutes behind. So anyways, I, I have seen people open up to creating more one-on-one uh, experience experiences with their clients and charging for that, you know, charging for that. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I like no, it. And I love it because it, again, I, I think the foundation we talked about a few moments ago, none of that changes, but what you just addressed, uh, again, going back to our favorite word context, um, really relates to what's happening in the bigger economy of this country. Um, what do we see happening in retail and Amazon? Um, the commoditization of products, whether it's clothing, whether it's groceries, whether it's beauty, um, things that are commodity, we hop on Amazon and we put, we click and it gets, shows up at our door. Consumers crave experience. And that bigger idea in the American economy has to, has to come down to the salon level. There's no question that, and, and we see the proliferation at, at the value level. You know, the, the biggest growth area in beauty is the value salon. And that is because it's commodity. It's, it's, it's inexpensive. I go in, I don't need an appointment. I do it fast. I mean, I'm out and the middle is suffering. And those who get what you just said, those who really are focused on experience, that's where we see all the growth at the high end. 
there's just no question that with all the unlimited choices available, and like you said, it's so easy to click on Amazon. Uh, with all the unlimited choices we have, it goes back to your content is your marketing. And, you know, that could literally be how you choose to book. That is a story right there. That is marketing. That says to me, this is how you do business. And so I'm not telling anyone how to book. I'm just saying that it should be aligned with that brand promise and what the people value. And uh, what I'm seeing in the larger economy, like you said, is people, if you give me an awesome experience, whatever that means to me, then yeah, I will get in my car and show up. But if you don't, I'm just going to go walk next door because there's another option literally across the street. And that experience, uh, you know, um, extends to how I book. So mm-hmm. if I, if I at 11 o'clock at night, when I suddenly look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, I need a haircut. If I don't have the opportunity to book then in the moment, there's a good chance that I'm going to end up at the walk-in salon the next day. You know, That's so- right, of course. Well, me too. I book all my appointments like 12 at a time. Because my haircutter at Sugar Schools, he has online booking. So he's sleeping while I'm booking. And then he wakes up and sees his phone blow up with appointment confirmations from me. But um, no, of course, that goes back to that awesome client journey. Like it could break at any moment, right? Like I could discover your business, but then there's no booking link. So there you've broken the journey, right? Or I could... um, discover your business and it doesn't look cute. Well, there's a break in the journey and I'm going to bounce. So, um, yes, yes. All of that. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm so loving this conversation and I, and I, I have to point out, you know, that we don't, rehearse these. I don't send you questions in advance. I just have a couple questions that I warn people I'm going to ask. And when we, when we hop on and start our Skype, I, I maybe give you a couple bullet points, but we, we just kind of riff off of each other. And I've loved our riffing today. Um, <laughs> but one of the questions I do ask everybody, and I, and I, and I love to, to, to get the answers because it gives me some great things to follow up on sometimes. And, and that is, um, what, Nina, might you be reading watching, listening to, obsessing about that, that you would recommend to our audience if it's something you think they might benefit from? I limit my reading. You know, I, I as, a, as a content creator and storyteller and a very experienced marketer, I, I don't, I, 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 I'll admit this, I talk about this, but I, I very rare that I pick up a book um, because, you know, I have to make sure that what I'm talking about is, you know, true to me and my stuff. But uh, on a personal side, I, I love Danielle Laporte and I'm reading White Hot Truth. I've actually never read one of Danielle's books before. This is the first one. And uh, it's very it's very much about empowerment and authenticity and personal development. And so I'm kind of into that right now because I'm going through one of those kind of evolutions personally. So um, if you're into seeking and and going deep, I love White Hot Truth by Daniel Laporte. Um, uh, I, I have one more episode of The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't go there. I so can't. no spoiler alerts, um, but uh, I do love I do love a good Netflix uh, binge. Um, and uh, but where my where my energy and focus has been all year and, and, and continues to be, and one of the reasons I'm traveling less this year and saying no more. Uh, to opportunities that are maybe out there is because I'm focusing a lot on infrastructure uh, at Passion Squared and, and, and systems and processes and operations to help better create a more awesome client experience or my community and uh, building and developing the program that I'm launching this week. I mean, that's really like I, I have learned through the years that um, we move towards what we focus on and we can only focus on one thing at a time. And, and, and I know that there is a passion for learning out there that I applaud and admire, but with, I'll put an asterisk onto that. But if you find yourself in constant learning mode, when do you have time to take action on that learning? And so I, I challenge <laughs> my clients and I challenge my greater community at times to stop, to stop um, consuming and start creating. Uh, and uh, it, it's tough because there's vulnerability and risk and fear when it comes to taking that step outward 
into creation mode and action mode because what if, what if, what if it sucks? What if we fail? What if nobody likes it? What if the haters get on my comment thread? What if, what if, what if, but uh, needs to be secondary to your passion to serve and your passion to create value through the stories that you tell. And, and so, um, it's no secret, you know, obviously Simon Sinek is, is, is definitely one of the, uh, philosophies and, and humans that I, I believe in that I align myself with as is Seth Godin. And, and, and I go back to classic Seth Godin stuff all the time. I reread tribes this year. Um, but I, I try to limit my, my intake and try to, um, Put emphasis on action. Well, then you just brought up an, another great resource in that, and that's Simon Sinek. Start with why, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, you know, again, I I recommend it to everybody. Um, let's. I want you to let people know how they can find you and Passion Squared online. But I also want you to, as you lead into that, talk for a moment about your. Um, a school because I, I mm. casually bump into unexpectedly <laughs> so many people who participate in a school and they, I mean, talk about passion, uh, about passion squared. I mean, <laughs> that group of people are, are passionistas if ever there were mm. some. And, and it's because of what the value that they get from what you are providing. So what is a school? And then tell us how people can find passion squared and, and Nina. Awesome. So I, I created a school uh, in 20. 20- well, I started it in 2013 and finished it in 2014 and launched it in uh, 2015. And A School is a group, online group coaching program for owners in the beauty and wellness space. And 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 I I, I created I created the program around the fact that one of the biggest challenges I saw is people, you know, many times will go to classes and get inspired or motivated or learn something, but then they have no accountability and they have no consistency in their ability to execute on anything they learn because it's on to the next, on to the next. And so I created a subscription membership program that allowed me to walk through the journey uh, side by side, hand in hand, to stay with the owner, to keep them going, to deal with situations and issues that come up. And so basically... It is a, uh, of course, we do workshops, we do guest mentor live chats, you've been a guest mentor uh, for the A-School group, and we have a secret Facebook group and morning text messages, and um, I open it twice a year to do enrollment, I keep it very small, and again, that kind of goes back to my philosophy, slow, steady, and strategic, Uh, there's a reason I don't, you know, make it big, because I want to be able to engage one-on-one, or one-on whatever, with, you know, with, with my group, and um, that very much inspired my new membership program, Social Beauty Intelligence, because I have a, a larger community that are not owners. And, and so the Social Beauty Intelligence program is similar in that we have classes and, and we have a secret Facebook group, but it's uh, all solely focused on social and digital, where A School is focused on marketing, leadership, culture, um, and, 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 and stuff like that. So where can you find me? PassionSquare.net is my home. It's where you can find new blogs and you can find new programs and, and workshops and stuff like that. Learn a little bit about more about the company. And uh, on Instagram, I'm at Passion Squared. On Facebook, I'm Passion Squared. On Snapchat, I'm Passion Squared. Yeah, that's where. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage everybody to follow Nina. Um, in any way that you possibly can, um, starting with Instagram and then going out from there, you're just you're just a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of resources for the industry. Your your passion is is so real, and and so contagious. And so um, and I'm so excited we got to spend part of our morning together. It was early. Again, I spilled <laughs> I spilled my coffee, so I'm going to have to go get more soon. But but let me end by saying to you. Um, amazing coach, mentor, thought leader, author, educator. You're a passionate professional, the chief awesomeness and powerer at Passion Squared. (laughs) My buddy, Nina Kovner, thank you for once again sharing with the American Salon Stories audience. Um, uh, Love you. And I'm just so um, happy that we got to, to share this with our audience today. Well, thank you, Gordon. You know, it's always such an honor. And I just, I love you so much. And to everyone listening, 
thank you for all the DMs and the emails and the messages and everything. I, I just what a what a gift, you know, what a gift it is to to uh, create value and serve the people that I love. And and I and this podcast that you created, Gordon, uh, has just had such an impact on so many. And I hear about it all the time. So again, congratulations and keep going because it just is it it is and you are a gift thank you so much thank you nina we'll have you back for a third time soon (laughs) bye bye and we'll be back next week with another american salon stories podcast in the meantime we hope you will follow american salon on instagram where we are known as american underscore salon on facebook at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to the Daily Beauty Fix e-newsletter. This is American Salon guest contributor and Hairbrain CEO, Gordon Miller. And I can't wait to bring you another American Salon Stories podcast next week. Music